the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Six minutes after six, it is Friday, and uh, we're going to we're going to talk uh, with uh, Ruth Pepler, uh, uh, who's up in Searcy County here in just a second. But I, I did want to tell you that uh, I went and checked the weather today. It was really important to me that this evening that it be dry. I knew it was going to be cool, but that was all right because uh, Eli, my grandson's coming over. Everybody knows Eli because I talk about him all the time here on the uh, on the show. Today he's having his first uh, time that he's going to come over to see Pop. That's me. And uh, as as we're here today, um, I'm going to have a fire in the fire pit, and I've got the uh, first. He and I are going to make pizza together. You know, it used to be when I was growing up. You went and bought it in a box. It was by Chef Boy RD, and you'd make like a cheese pizza, and then people got really wild and started throwing pepperoni and mushrooms on it. Uh, now you can buy the prepackaged pepperoni, the prepackaged uh, uh, pizza crust, the pizza you know sauce, and all that. So he and he and I are going to make pizza together and put it in the oven and then uh, eat it with me and his nana and. And I think his uncle's coming over as well. His uncle doesn't want to miss the second part of this evening. Uh, and then tonight will be the first night, and, and a lot of you can relate to this because we're in Arkansas, and that is we're going to make s'mores tonight by the fire pit. And he doesn't know anything about s'mores. And I just I just love when my, my grandchildren, I give them their first s'more, and they bite into that ooey, gooey chocolate mess, and they get into that. So, Ruth, we're going to do a little bit of uh, getting the family together tonight uh, ourselves. Uh, you've got something special for families here in Arkansas. You know, I'm always shocked when I hear the stories about people who are interviewed, and they say something like, uh, well, I don't see why you, you have to go hunting. I just go down to, to Walmart or to Kroger or wherever they buy their food and go where they make the food at. And I'm like... Do they not teach anything about farming, you know, in schools anymore that you don't even know? they got dairy cows and, and things of that nature. So you're kind of fit, you're going to fill in that gap for a lot of people. You're giving people an opportunity to go out and spend some time on the farm. Isn't that right? Yes, that's right. It's a very hands-on experience for them, too. Okay. Do, do they get to muck out the barn? Um, we've had some teenagers that um, their their fathers thought that that was a great idea. So, oh yeah, that'd be great yeah. for them to do. Yeah. Okay, tell us 
I, I was talking to you before we got started here, yeah. and uh, you were giving me a little history about this. Uh, first of all, who came up with the idea for this? Um, actually, our guests did. Um, we were having people come and stay in our guest house, and of course, it was on the farm, but it wasn't part of what we were, you know, doing now. And they would come down and ask if they could participate in the farm chores and if they could milk the cow. And I was milking a cow tied to a post on the side of the hill, which was not an ideal, you know, guest interaction with the cow. <laughs> so so we just started looking around and asking, you know, what does it look like to stay on a farm? And I came across Farmstay U.S., and started hooked up with them and then started calling farms all across the country. What did they like? How did they set up? What were they doing? What would they not do if they had the choice? Um, and we kind of developed our whole farm here in around guests and what would work for them and what would be visible, what would be safe, what could be hands-on activities that they could participate in. And we kind of built it from there. This is cool. This is really cool because when, well, when I was a kid, and I grew up outside of Chicago, all right, I was in northwest Indiana, I was a city kid, and my dad in World War II uh, served with a guy by the last name of Betts, and that's, how he, that's what he went with by, is his last name, and Betts was a farmer in Toledo, Ohio, and during the summers, for about a week, we would always go over and spend a week with the Betts, and I got to know their kids really well. And they they had a farm. And I can tell you that some of my best memories as a little kid, and I, I'm talking four or five years old, is uh, being on the farm. I remember uh, getting in the pig pen and, and chasing the piglets. I, I remember, I remember uh, getting saved by bets because I, I thought if you could get in with the piglets, you could get in with the sows, which is not a good thing to do. And, right. uh, yeah, they pulled, pulled me out of there and riding on the tractor and all of that. That was really a, a, an eventful time in my life. And I got to think for kids even today uh, with this, you know, they're stuck on their Internet games and all of that. This has got to be mm-hmm. a, a really amazing, eye-opening experience for them. Absolutely. I mean, kids of all ages enjoy it. Um, We've had a real big trend, though, with grandparents, parents, and kids all traveling together. Oh, that's cool. Oh, it's been amazing just to watch um, just what you were saying. You know, they've they've had these experiences when they were younger. Either they were on their parents' farm or a friend's farm, and... You know, now they're sharing that experience with their grandkids that you you watch this happening and it never gets old. I mean, just every time we see this little light bulb go on and the connection being made and that generational gap being brought together, it's just that's why we're doing this. You know, it's so wonderful. so, So how many of these kids really get off on learning how to milk a cow? Do they get a chance to learn how to do that? Oh, absolutely. And I think about 90% of them are wanting to try this. They've never done it before. Um, Even parents and grandparents, it's on the bucket list, you know, so we can check that one off. Um, My daughter, Grace, she's here with me this morning, and the the dairy part's hers, you know. Um, She's downstairs uh, working with the families and showing kids and parents how to how to um, milk the cow and exactly how to get that milk in the bucket and um, that's her thing and I'm upstairs you know making breakfast for everybody and we kind of get around you pinch it where we have to you know but we've been very blessed we have help now which makes the whole 
um, guest process a lot smoother. It's really nice. We All get right. to spend a lot more time with them and really do hands-on. All right, before we go too deep into this, let me let me ask that you give people kind of an overview of what comes with this. You can bring your family up to this farm and yes. and and learn how and what life on the farm is like. And she's talking about making breakfast. If it's like any other farming breakfast I've eaten, it's like a feast. It, it's amazing how early bets would get up. They'd get up at crack of dawn, and the the matron of the farm, his wife, had eggs and bacon and biscuits and gravy and all kinds of stuff sitting out. Heidi, calm yourself. Heidi's my producer. Her mouth was watering now. She's, <laughs> you know, some of the stuff that I'm talking about. I mean, greens and all the stuff she put on the on the uh, uh, you know on the table, and you'd eat uh, this big breakfast, and then you'd go out and do the chores. That's right. Um, we usually, well, we've we've kind of tailored our schedule to guests desires and you know they are on vacation so we've rem- remembered that so we don't milk until about seven thirty or eight o'clock oh that's and then, late yeah it is late it is uh, it doesn't mean that the farm work doesn't start significantly earlier though <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so when the guests come down they they do the stuff downstairs and then everybody washes up and comes upstairs for breakfast and it winds up being you know usually around nine o'clock that we all sit down and we have a variety of things, but we start off with our own fresh yogurt and some fruit and things like that to go on the yogurt, uh, local honey. And then while they're eating that, we're starting omelets or eat pancakes or whatever it is uh, we're going to have. It varies every day, um, but there's always there's always eggs involved somehow. <laughs> yeah, and lots of um, lots of our buttermilk. We either make a buttermilk cornbread or buttermilk biscuits or a buttermilk Irish soda bread um, in the morning. So that. It's fresh and coming out of the oven, so of course all of these things are going out the exhaust vent while everybody's downstairs milking and doing chores. So they get a preview of breakfast, you know. Well, oh, this is great. I, I'm, this is bringing back a lot of memories for me. It really, really is. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I'll be calling you here in the next couple <laughs> of weeks and set up a time in the spring where I can bring my grandson. I, I want yeah, him wonderful. to experience this. I, I really, really do. And this could end up being a yearly thing for a while. You know, and it does wind up being where we have um, repeat people coming back because they just enjoy it so much. Um, you know, one of the things that we do, too, is the breakfast table. Uh, people are not getting an opportunity to sit at the table anymore and have a mm-hmm. meal together. Um, I think COVID has changed that a lot, though, and um, they're starting to come back to the table, which is a wonderful thing. Um, I think that, you know, the the parents are having an, a nice time with it, though, because we don't have Internet access up at the guest house. We don't have um, cable TV coming in, and that's all intentional, you know. Um, they walk in, and the kids are like, my Wi-Fi, I don't have a signal. And parents are like, yes. <laughs> because it changes it up a little bit, you know. It, it, it brings people back together and outside exploring. They get to go hiking with the goats. We have about 45 acres fenced in. Uh, wow. with the goats and the Great Pyrenees, and everybody goes out after breakfast and romps through the woods, and the kids are having a blast, and, you know, it's it's really good. 
All right, so you got a great Pyrenees dog, and uh, Grace, let me just bring you into this as well. You know, yes, most, pe- m- most people haven't seen a dog as big as a great Pyrenees. That, <laughs> that, 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 is, that is a big animal, isn't it? Yes, they definitely are. You have, you know, small children getting out of the cars and the dog's eyes are level with them. So <laughs> it's definitely a big dog. So, uh, you know, sometimes you get children that are a little afraid of them because, you know, it's a small horse compared to them. Yeah. Um, but then they realize that they're just big old fluffy love bugs and oh, then the kids love. are all over them. And they're they, having the time of their They life. are one of the great breeds of dogs of all time. They really, yes. really are. They're beautiful animals. And by the way, did I can I catch a little bit of an accent listening <laughs> to you talk there? I thought I heard a little Eastern accent there. Probably. I, it, I always get caught on it because, you know, I, I never really lost my accent um, when we moved, which I always find funny since I've been here in Arkansas more than I have anywhere else. Uh-huh. But, uh yeah, I still hold on to it sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, I can hear it. It, it, it it's, it's there, you know. It, you, you, the, the perceptive ear picks it up. So, so Ruth, where did you all come from? Oh, we came from New Jersey. There we go. Okay. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and um, I was raised in Essex County, and that was one of the last dairy farms. Was pretty much on the block that I grew up on. And it was phasing out just as I was a little kid. Um, but we still got to go over to Becker Farm and, and be around the big open space there. It's it's now all corporate law offices. Wow. Um, we moved northern in the state all the way up to High Point area where um, New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania all meet at the Del- Delaware Water Gap there. Uh-huh. So we went right back out to country and moved on to the, a block where it was also a huge dairy farm. And um, really just enjoyed that before we moved here to New Jersey, um, to Arkansas. Well, people need to understand that back in the day, New Jersey was a large dairy state at, at one time. Yes, mm-hmm. very much so. I mean, that was we grew up with ag ride tours, and when I was a kid, we went to O'Dowd's Dairy. That was a field trip. You know, it was uh, ag ride tourism was a very big part of what we did for school um, to get around. I mean, because it was the Garden State, it still is. I mean, but it was very heavily um, dairy farms in New Jersey, yeah. up in yeah. the area, especially where we were. And like you said, not so much anymore, but that's that's okay. You came somewhere where we still appreciate dairy, although dairy is a is a tough business to be in in Arkansas right now. California it seems is. to be the place uh, for dairy farms right now, and they control a lot of uh, what other other dairies in other states do at this time. So uh, we'll come back and talk a little bit about that, and then we'll come back and talk about uh, the farm as well uh, here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. We want to do that. It's 20 minutes after 6. Good morning to you. Uh, I, I wish that I could offer you one of these farm breakfasts because I can tell you I know it's it's fantastic, and you get to sit around the table with your whole family and eat and Ooh, talk. That's always an interesting part. You don't text each other. You actually converse (laughs) with each other. We're going to talk further about this. This is a great idea. I'm glad somebody's doing it. We'll uh, tell you how you can get involved and maybe how you can uh, sit down and reserve a time that you can take your family up there and, and have some fun. So we'll be back with Ruth and Grace, her daughter, here on the Dave Ellswick Show at 21 minutes after 6. 
All right, we're talking with Ruth Pepler this morning. Her daughter, Grace, is with us. Uh, they own a farm, Dogwood Hills Guest Farm. And you can take your family to Dogwood Hills Guest Farm, and your family can to milking cows, and evidently they'll even let you muck out the barns if you want to <laughs> you, you show your kids what, what that term means. But uh, they get you, your kids are going to get on the farm and actually see how their food is is raised and and uh, talk a little bit how it gets to the market and then gets to people's homes. But l- let's talk a, a little bit more, Ruth. We're in the time of COVID cautions for that. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, um, when we started out, I guess in March, we had our last guests come through, um, right, as everything was shutting down until about May. And when we opened up, we we had already been very careful. We had already had a lot of things set up, so we were very blessed in that department. But um, we added in some extra things. Of course, we already sanitized our house and everything with the um, clean cleaners and things. We use an organic cleaner, but we found one that was uh, COVID effective, and um, that worked out great. We also found these blue lights that are UV and ozone, and we sanitize oh, each room in the house. Yeah, um, so it's completely overhauled between guests. So at first we started with the 72-hour block between guests to clean, and then when we got those blue lights, we were able to drop it down to 48 hours because we can still um, go through the whole house, sanitize everything, um, all the contact surfaces and everything get done. And then down by the barn, we also have a separate bathroom for staff and guests. So that bathroom is set aside just for guests while they're there. Um, and we do the same precautions in between. We're outside most of the time, so that helps out, but we do require masks um, when we're milking and things like that. There is a close contact. Um, we might be leaning over things, you know, helping somebody try to figure out how to hold on to that teat to get the milk out properly. So <laughs> it kind of gets close there. Um, when we go through the fodder house, um, which is a hydroponic barley, where we grow the feed for the cows, oh. um, Cool. Um, there's, we require the masks in there also because it is close. But, yeah. Um, and then when we go upstairs for breakfast, Grace and I wear masks while we're serving. Um, people wearing their masks while they come into and sit down in the big open room. And um, then we, we serve them, and they can take their masks off while they're eating. But we keep our masks on the whole time. Ruth, how unique is it, and maybe, Grace, you can talk about this as well, for these families that maybe have never sat down? at a table and have breakfast together? Mm. Well, I think we're finding that a lot of the people um, are starting to. I mean, that's changed with COVID. People seem to be eating together more. Prior to that, though, we were getting a lot of comments that, wow, we don't even sit to to dinner anymore together. Uh-huh. Um, usually it's just grab something at, you know, as you come in and sit in front of the TV. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say that this is something that they're going to try and do, even if it's only once a week, you know, get together for dinner and make that change. And I think those are the things that we look at when we're trying to provide this experience is um, building families and in- encouraging them and strengthening them. And if we can help do that through interaction as well as you know, something that they might take home and be able to do themselves, whether it's making a meal together or sitting down at the table together or even planning the menu, um, deciding on what they want to do. 
But that's all completely aside from the farm experience that they're having together. But I think that that's a nice, healthy change that we're seeing. All right. So we got one minute left here. We don't have a lot of time and okay. any time when we have people on. But Ruth, uh, <laughs> how do people how do people come up and, and enjoy this? Um, they can go directly to our website, and that's www.thefarmex.com, and, or they can call the farm directly, uh, 870-448-4870, and they can make a reservation. Um, we're, we have a little bit of availability left in December, and then we're taking reservations um, from mid-February on. Uh, January, we kind of do a little spontaneous if the weather's nice, but we don't book ahead for that. Okay, so again... That's uh, 870-448-4870. And for you, you'll still have internet when you book. So um, <laughs> the farm, the farm EX, that is one word, at gmail.com. And mm-hmm. uh, you get to, get to them. Ruth, Grace, thanks so much for being with me. I'll have you on in the near future. We'll talk more about this, all right? Great. Thank you so much. All right. You have a great day. Bye-bye now. All right. We've got news coming your way here on the Dave Ellswick Show. What a great idea. Do this with your family. It would be an eye-opener. All right. Dave Ellswick Show here at 101.1 FM. The answer, Brad Hyde, going to join us. Uh, He is the Ariza. I think it's Ariza. Is that correct, Brad? Yeah, Ariza. Ariza. Okay. Health Community Liaison Director. Uh, and uh, the professional counseling associates. So let me ask you, Brad, just to kind of uh, help my listeners to enjoy, to uh, understand what your specific uh, group does and what it is that we'll, we're going to talk about today. Well, um, professional counseling associates is uh, one of the legacy organizations of ERISA Health. And ERISA Health is the single largest uh, provider of behavioral health care in the state of Arkansas. Okay. Uh, we cover 41 counties uh, from Fayetteville to Jonesboro and Piggott to Helena and North Little Rock. So we've got a huge area that we cover. All right. So a large area. I guess to start off this interview, being in the COVID-19 days that we are in right now, are uh, the services that you all provide, uh, you know, being uh, hit on heavily right now? Are people needing a lot of counseling to make it through this time? Uh, yes. Uh, you know, the, the situation that we're in right now, it causes a lot of anxiety. It causes a lot of those stressors that that may um, lead to people having more depression, uh, more um, maybe even substance use. Uh, so it is, it is a challenging time uh, for the community, and we're always here to help them in that time of need. All right, so as, as people sitting out there that are listening right now, what are some things that you can say to them uh, about this time? Uh, I, I mean, I understand that some people are frightened by what we're going through, but how is it for them to be able to get a handle to understand the reality and not just the perception? Well, one thing is... is um I often equate people when they break their leg, they they say I need to go to the emergency room. 
when someone has major depression or social anxiety, a lot of them say, I need to sit on my couch and this will get better. And that's just not how it works. You wouldn't sit on, you know, you wouldn't break your leg and sit on your couch and say, I hope this gets better. So the first step is that when someone is in a situation where their anxiety or their depression or, or those stressors are affecting their life functions, meaning if it's affecting their sleep, if it's affecting their eating, if it's affecting their, their interacting with other people, meaning they may pull away and, and socially isolate, um, then they need professional help. You know, everybody at least one time in their life will suffer from a major depressive issue in which they need professionals to help them. And they can always, always, always call our crisis line if they feel like they need someone to talk to, if they feel like they need someone to help them. Um, our crisis line is 1-800-592-9503. They can call that 24-7. There's always a person staffing that phone number. Um, so uh, if anyone ever feels like they're overwhelmed, even if they don't feel like they're overwhelmed at that moment, but they could be, I highly suggest that you you seek a professional to help you out with that. Are are you all seeing a, a higher call rate right now? You know what? Honestly, we we aren't. It's not it's not any less, uh, but it's not necessarily any more. I, I I would say that's probably accurate. So, what would you tell my listeners if they have some? You know, they got family members. A lot of the people listening have families and extended families what are some things you should be paying attention to that would tell you that perhaps somebody is is perhaps having a a a problem uh, mentally uh handling the time that we're in or or at any time for that matter that's a good yeah that's a great question one is just be observant if if someone uh, that you know that's close to you, they do things like they're they're eating much less than usual. They're eating more than usual. They're they're sleeping excessively. They're they're not sleeping at all. Uh, if you have someone that was really social that came to every family function, went to church every Sunday morning and Wednesday, but stopped doing that and said. I'm just staying at home. I'm just staying at bed. Those are sort of uh, some generic uh, warning signs just to maybe inquire into what's going on with them, what's what's affecting them. Um, you know, a lot of people talk about, well, <clears throat> I don't want to ask somebody if they're suicidal because that might uh, cause them to commit suicide, which, which is just not true. Um, if someone is suicidal and you ask them, are they thinking about suicide, um, that's not going to cause them to commit suicide. That's probably going to cause them to tell you, hopefully that will cause them to tell you that they need help and you can get them help uh, uh, through professionals like professional counseling associates and RISA. Okay, so, you know, as I as I talk to you about this, I mean, can people who think that, they have a family member who's, you know, they're out there self-isolating more than 
they normally would have or or and you think that they're in a depressive episode or whatever can that person call or does it have to be the person who's suffering well you can call because what if you're calling on behalf of someone else what our professionals can do and i can speak about our professionals is that we may help you uh find ways to encourage uh, to facilitate that person getting the help that they need. You know, we may counsel, we'll ask them this, try to talk to them this. What it comes down to ultimately is, of course, we would need that person to to be that participant because uh, we would want to help them. But uh, family members can call us. They can say, this is the problem I'm having because that causes anxiety in, in their life. So our therapists and our counselors can help them uh, find ways to be uh, a service to the person they're seeking advice on. Everyday stressors, it, when you sit there and you talk about is that stressful, you know, it, sometimes it's as simple as um, and they might be thinking where my next meal is going to come from. Uh-huh. How's my kid going to? How's my kid going to do well at school if they're trying to do it on the computer all the time? I'm I'm afraid that my car won't start in the morning. I've got just a few more minutes that uh, we can talk before we got to take our break, and then we'll come back and do another 10 minutes with you. Uh, And I want to talk about holidays because holidays are high-stress times, big-time high-stress times. So let's go back again. The uh, crisis uh, help number is 1-800-592-9503. And uh, yeah. any, anybody can call that number. Now, if somebody wants to come in and uh, use your services, do they need to be have their primary care physician send them over to you, or yeah. can they just call you? They can just call us. They don't need anyone to refer uh, uh, for our services. They can call us directly. They can access us directly. Uh, we're, we're available to them. All right. Will you all... Uh, check real quickly uh, to find out if their insurance covers what services you provide. Um, yeah, well, we'll make sure that um, that we can provide the services to them and uh, whatever reimbursement that's needed. You know, there's a lot of grants that we have. There's a lot. We take Arkansas Medicaid, Medicare, uh, private insurance. We even have sliding uh, fee scales. So, I will say this, um, our our primary concern is not being reimbursed for the services. It's helping the person get the services. That's our primary focus. All right. Brad, you stay tuned. We'll be right back with you. We've got to get a break in here on the Dave Ellswick Show. More coming your way in just a moment. Back with you, Dave Ellswick Show. Our special guest is Brad Hyde. He's with Professional Counseling Associates. He's the... Uh, Arista Health Community Liaison Director, and uh, they're the people behind Professional Counseling Associates. And uh, we just did uh, a segment with Brad, and we talked uh, specifically about depression and what you can do to help people that may be having those things. Now, we're coming up into a time, uh, it's beyond my wildest imaginings that we're almost to November, Brad. But oh, we're getting ready. Yes. We're getting ready to go into one of the toughest times of the year uh, for people, and that's uh, the big holiday season. Thanksgiving mm-hmm. is a big holiday season. However, 
Christmas is just around the corner. And I have sure. always understood that that is a tough, tough time for a lot of people, whether it's because of something that they uh, went through when they were kids or when they went through as a young adult, or maybe there's been a death in the family and now you're facing mm-hmm. the holiday season without some loved ones. Let's talk about that a little bit because, you know, people just have problems. I'm sure that you can talk to that. Yes, and let me say, we have, it's a high-stress season, um, and stress is not a bad thing. Everybody's talking about bad stress, good stress. Stress is not a bad thing. It's how we deal with that stress is what makes it positive or negative. So let me let me give you a scenario. If someone out there is saying, I have to plan the perfect Thanksgiving meal for for my family, it has to be absolutely perfect. Um, it has to be uh, food that everybody wants. Uh, you know, each person has a different favorite food, so I want to make sure that that is um, there. And you stress and stress and stress about this. I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Um, I had a lady, an older lady, who asked me about this, and she said, I just can't. I never – I get so stressed out about creating this big, giant meal and when my kids come, they eat it up in 30 minutes, and, and then it's all over, and and uh, there's never a thank you. And I said, well, next time, uh, why don't you order pizza? And she said, pizza for Thanksgiving? And I said, yes, uh, uh, try that, because my family tried that. One year, my mother said, well, I'm not making this big deal. We're having pizza. And we were shocked. I'll have to admit to you, we were shocked to like pizza on Thanksgiving. But when we got the pizza, I have to say it was one of the most interesting uh, Thanksgiving dinners that we had. It's why, a why was that? One. Why was it so because interesting? We were, why was it so memorable? Well, well, one, we were having pizza on Thanksgiving and not turkey and dressing. And <laughs> and two, my my mother put her foot down and said, "I ain't making this whole big meal for y'all to eat and and y'all eat it in thirty minutes and don't thank me." And so we're sitting there eating pizza. And uh, we talked about all the things that uh, all the past Thanksgivings. It gave us a, it sort of gave us an opportunity to to focus on while we were really there. We weren't there for the food. Mm-hmm. We were there to be thankful for each other and to remember things of the past and make new memories. And that's really what the holidays are about. Like Thanksgiving is about being thankful for what you have. And so, and the people that are with you or the people that are no longer with you, it's not about the perfect dressing or the right temperature turkey. It's about those people. And we get so focused on that one thing because we can control that one thing. But if you throw a little monkey wrench in there, I promise you it's going to give you a memorable Thanksgiving. It's going to give you one that you're going to talk about for years. So you, it might not be order pizza for Thanksgiving, but do something that is entirely different than what you've done in the past. And I promise you, you will talk about that particular holiday more than any other holiday you've ever had. You know, so many people have this Norman Rockwellian perception of how, you know, Thanksgiving has to be. And then there's always the, you know, the, uh, uh, the, uh, 
the TV channel that plays all those holiday movies over and over and yeah. over again. And uh, yeah. those those are perfect, super duper uh, holidays. But they're not. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, it's not real life. It's a painting, and it's also a TV uh, show. It's not real. Sure, absolutely. And when there's, you know, if you sit and you think of all the most memorable things in your life, it were it was probably um, caused by something you never planned. It's not. You don't sit there and and reminisce over the absolute perfect uh, uh, event in your life. You you reminisce, you joke, you remember with fondness the things that surprised you in the end, the things that you did different, the things that were unique. And so what we can do uh, for the holidays is, is let's do something unique. Let's do something that we've never done. Let's do something that surprises us. And I promise you, you're going to create a memory that you're going to take with you forever. And the people you love and the people you plan this for, they will too. Well, I'm the one who always cooks Thanksgiving for my family. I uh, oh, wow. Last year was my first year that I went to Kroger and I ordered Thanksgiving. And, yeah, uh, there and you we, go. Yeah, and we had prime rib instead of, of, instead of uh, turkey. And guess what? Everybody liked having prime rib. I bet you, I bet you in this past year, there's at some point someone talked about, we had prime rib at Thanksgiving last year, and it was wonderful. Well, they've already asked me, what are we doing for this Thanksgiving? And I have already told them, I am, I am going with, uh, you know, what uh, I did last year, man. I am going to go with uh, prime rib, and they're all excited. They're ready. That's awesome. That's something new. That's a new memory that they get to re-experience. So I, I applaud you for that because when we do those things, it reduces our stress. You can't, you 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 can't um, really obsessively stress over something that is that is new to you. You don't know what's about to happen. Um, if you're planning something new, I mean, you might have think, thought. Well, is this going to be, are they going to like it? Are they not going to like it? Is it going to be good? Are they going to hate me for doing prime rib instead of the turkey we always do? But it's sort of that that fun stress of, of the anticipation. And right now, it's a great, it's not a stressful memory. It's a great memory for you. I got you. All right, before I let you go, Brad, we're down to one minute left here. What types of service does Professional Counseling Associates offer? We provide, you know, we've been in the community since 1974. Uh, we, a Professional Counseling Associates, has five locations in Pulaski, Lono, Prairie uh, counties. Um, we have five clinics. Um, they can always call us at 1-800-592-9503. We treat uh, outpatient, uh, we treat adolescents, children, adults, seniors, if you are having a a behavioral health issue, if you have depression, if you have substance use uh, issues, if you have anxiety, social, um, if you're a veteran, if you're having your very first episode of psychosis, uh, we're here to help in any way that we can. Brad, thank you so much for joining us at number again, 1-800-592-9503, Professional Counseling Associates. 
Six minutes after seven, that means it's time for Robert Steinbach. Chris Corbett should be around. Chris, uh, our lawyer from Conway, uh, and, of course, engineering law is his uh, forte, but he uh, is very well versed in all forms of law here in the state of Arkansas. Also, Robert Steinbach is with us, professor of law over at, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the museum. The uh, <laughs> the law school, uh, Bowen School of Law over at UALR. He's going to join us and uh, be part of the show today, as he always is. Remember, his opinions are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the law school or of the uh, university. And, uh, Robert, there's a lot of things to, to talk about today. Uh, the president has won. Uh, one of his lawsuits in Pennsylvania. I don't know if you saw this or not. Uh, a, a Pennsylvania judge has ruled uh, in the president's favor that the state may not count votes where the voters failed to provide proof of identification and did not cure that problem by November 9th. Now, on top of that, uh, uh, Judge Alito of the Supreme Court is waiting for uh, a letter uh, from uh, some attorneys in Pennsylvania about why uh, they should be counting votes that they got after election day, and uh, if they don't, if if they come don't come up with a right answer, and the Supreme Court says then those votes don't count, uh, we're talking tens of thousands of votes that won't count. Dave, it is remarkable how the mainstream media, and yes, I'll use that term happily, notwithstanding that the left, oh, well, that's, that's just a nonsensical term. The mainstream media is so in the bag for leftist politicians that they no longer do investigative journalism. Let me make a few simple points. I have no idea whether or not there's enough votes out there, so to speak, that it could swing the election. And I have no basis to claim that there are. What is clear, however, is that there have been irregularities, maybe irregularities that have existed in every presidential election. That doesn't make them any better. It doesn't make them any worse. It makes them worthy of investigation. And the so-called investigative press has not only turned a blind eye, they are shilling, shilling for those that are like the three monkeys on the statue, you know, see, see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil. <clears throat> the New York Times, which no one can legitimately call a press outlet any longer, I'm sorry to say. I've been reading it for over 40 years. I still do, but now I know I'm reading propaganda instead of news. Has an article, <clears throat> just by way of example, that says... Uh, oh, we contacted every uh, um, official in every state uh, who deals with elections, <clears throat> and they told us, no problem, nothing to see here. Oh, really? Oh, that's investigative <clears throat> Dave, I did a study of a 1,000 convicts. <clears throat> you see, what I did is I went into prison, and I said, raise your hand if you're actually guilty. Nobody put their hand up. That's a kind of investigative journalism 
that the leftist media is now doing. Oh, well, we asked the guys who are responsible for determining if something went wrong because then they would not have done their job correctly, whether they've done their job correctly. And they all said they did their job correctly. Yeah. Case closed. Yeah. Yeah, we're not going to do any more reporting on it. Really? That's what they they do. Or the kind of reporting they do is, uh, oh, let's see. Should we talk about... uh, uh, Goodyear tires, because they were blowing out an inordinate amount on the on Ford Escape. Oh, no, they pay, they spend a lot of money uh, here at the radio station for commercials. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, exactly. And that was part of it as well. I remember when that went down. So with that said, uh, uh, what I think is interesting is, for instance, in the National Review, they were talking about this is a minor a minor uh, uh, court decision. He says the decision has no bearing on the more notable controversy uh, currently pending before the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, whether Supreme, uh, Pennsylvania State Supreme Court had the authority to extend by three days the statutory deadline for mail-in ballots. You know, if we go back to the Constitution, uh, one of the few things that nationally uh, the Congress does uh, here in the United States is they set the day, not a state Supreme Court, uh, not a, a local court, but, uh, you know, the Congress sets the date when the election is to happen in all 50 states. So how can it stand that a court can suddenly make a decision that we're going to extend uh, our uh, election time? I think this falls before the Supreme Court. What do you think? It may or may not. I think that's a, a absolutely great question on your part, and I, I don't know. I'm unable to predict it. But what I will say along the lines that you're aptly pointing out is it's just another example of what we conservatives point out correctly as judge-made law. Now, there are two, and I'll keep it very simple and very short. There are two issues here. Every time a case comes before a court, a court is confronted with deciding the, the issue before it. So when a court says, well, this law means such and such, that is not judge-made law because a court has to decide whether or not uh, a law applies or doesn't apply in a particular instance. So sometimes you hear people claiming, well, that's an example of judges making law. No, that's an example of judges taking a law and then applying it. And they say thumbs up or thumbs down, like Caesar, the person wins or loses. But when judges say, well, there's no words that address this problem in this statute, in this law, but we think it's a real problem, so we're going to come up with a solution. That is judge-made law. And we correctly believe as conservatives that's not the job for judges, even when the judges, in our opinion, correctly point out that there is a vacuum, a gap in the law that needs to be addressed. They can say to the legislature, oh, there's a hole you guys need to fill, but that's not the judge's job to fill. And that's the problem. The left truly doesn't believe that. The left believes that the judges are a third branch of government in terms of legislation. That, oh, well, if nobody else did it, let the judges do it. Uh, uh-uh. That's not what they're supposed to do.
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how a lot of this plays out. Do I believe there's enough votes out there to overturn the election uh, towards the president's favor or uh, turn a couple of states his way? And we're going to end up in the in the House of Representatives to decide who uh, the president is going to be over the next four years. I don't know. I just know that I'm getting more and more concerned and probably because of where I was raised outside of Chicago that the way Chicago used to run elections and for all I know since I haven't lived here in a long time still do uh, you know throwing elections uh, for different candidates and we can go all the way back to 1960 in the Kennedy election uh, I don't want to see that everywhere in the United States and we're seeing it bounce up and maybe it's been going on i just haven't been paying attention but uh you know philadelphia new york city well new york we know uh what was going on up there uh with uh, taliban and all of them uh, up in that area and then you got uh, you know nevada you got this thing in uh, that's going on in in arizona where the secretary of state loathes the president do you really think that he would make any kind of uh unbiased decision uh, in, in, when it comes to election fraud uh, in, in Arizona. I just want to see the greatest nation on earth have a legitimate election. What say you? Speaking about that, you are so on the point, Dave, because speaking about legitimate elections, again, the New York Times has an article that says Trump is amongst the worst dictators. They compare him oh, to Pinochet, just... and all, right, yeah. all of these dictators, and they list all the parade of horribles that the dictators did. And then they say one thing. They say, well, Trump has questioned the legitimacy of this election. And then this list of 20 things that these dictators did, uh, there's no comparison. They literally admit somewhere deep in, you know, the 12th paragraph of the article, well, Trump hasn't done any of these, but he's questioned the legitimacy of the election. Therefore, he's like these dictators. Isn't that remarkable? Let's do a comparison between what a legitimate media does and what a state-run media does. A legitimate media looks into questions of problems in voting. A state-run media is what all the communist nations had, where the state said, well, nothing problem with the elections, 99% for Gorbachev, 99% for Khrushchev. That's what the state-run media. So if you wanted to investigative journalism, why don't you investigate how the media is not investigating? Yep, yep. You know, maybe ABC, NBC, CBS should all come under the umbrella of Pravda now. Well, what's really interesting about that point, Dave, is that you love how the leftist media wants individuals to be subject to some sort of outside review, even governmental agencies. There's this leftist who wrote uh, a book about race issues who says there should be a governmental agency that screens every potential law to determine if that law is racist or not. And if it's racist, that law can't be passed. Yeah, that's democracy, right? That there's this overarching um, star chamber that determines the validity of potential laws before they're enacted. What about having a star chamber to review the actions of the media? I'm not suggesting we do that. That would be awful. That's called censorship. But it's really remarkable how the leftist media wants a form of censorship for everybody else, and in particular conservatives, but not for themselves. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to say, uh, to say the least, over the next uh, few weeks. I mean, Georgia, uh, you know, Republicans and Democrats are turning their attention towards Georgia. And I, I want you to think about this. We've got the uh, we've got the um, uh, holidays coming up. We got Thanksgiving and we got we've got uh, Christmas coming up. We got Hanukkah coming up. You got all of these major holidays coming up right at the end of the year. And then in the first week of January, basically, we're going to pick who's going to have control of the Senate. Uh, a lot of people are going to make a, a decision, I think, already made, to be honestly, uh, with uh, with them. And I, I believe uh, Republicans are going to win. We'll talk further about that here today. Uh, well, I got you and uh, hopefully we'll get Chris on here and we'll be able to talk about uh, what we think we can expect from the Senate in uh, 2021. We'll take a break. 18 minutes after seven. Don't forget about our folks at uh, you know, uh, PI Roofing. Uh, they'll do a great job for your roof. I talked uh, yesterday about how great they are and how pr- to protect, the, the, you know, take care of the last protection for the inside of your home, which is your roof, and to make sure that if anything goes wrong with your roof, if you'll call them, they'll come out and they'll fix it for you, and they do it in post-haste. They do it very, very quickly, and they follow, you know, COVID-19 guidelines right now, and they do the six feet of, you know, separation, uh, Kevin Bacon and all that. No, I'm just I'm having some fun with that right now. But uh, they, they, they keep six feet distance going on between you and them so that their people are protected your family is protected, but most of all, your roof gets fixed. So that's taken care of for the ultimate uh, protection. You don't want water getting in your house, in between your drywall, on the top of your drywall, let's say in your in your uh, bedroom, and you suddenly see the discoloration uh, stain, and you're going to have to cut out a piece of drywall and put a new piece in. And if you've got uh, you know any kind of texturing, you got to try to match that. It's a pain. All right, I'm just telling you, it's a pain. Uh, they'll take uh, good care of you, so you don't have to deal with that. What you have to do is call them. Seven zero seven thirty five fifty one. Seven zero seven thirty five fifty one. I call that number. You call that number. Your friend calls that number, and everybody gets the exact same treatment. Or you can just go online, piroofing dot com. Hey, I got a laugh. Uh, just somebody just sent me a meme. You you appreciate it, uh, uh, Robert. I'll send it to you as well. But it, it says President Trump meets with leader of terrorist group negotiate for the release of prisoners and he's talking to zuckerberg and it says let my people out of facebook jail yeah yeah <laughs> i gotta laugh at that it, I, I find that funny uh, people on the left won't although some of their people have been put in uh in jail as far as that uh, as well so just something to talk about here on the uh, the dave ellswick show how do you think that plays out? Let's say Biden does get the presidency. Uh, but, it, you know, things are going to be so razor thin in the House uh, that uh, uh, neither even with the with the majority that the uh, uh, that the, uh, the Democrats are going to have. It looks like it may be a one vote majority. 
uh, is all they're going to have. It's going to be like what we were here in Arkansas back in 2010, where the Democrats still held the majority, but the Democrats were just sitting in the wings, and they could they could uh, basically say, well, you want to do that? Well, yar, 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 you're not going to be able to pass it. You know, you're not going to be able to get it done. And uh, I had a discussion yesterday about this uh, with J.R. Davis and with uh, Seth Mays that the, the Republicans are going to be in a real, uh, a real, you know, a position of strength as far as the House goes. But if they also control the Senate, uh, the legislative side is going to be uh, strongly uh, leaning towards the Republicans. Well, I think, Dave, that it all does come down to the Senate. While I agree with you that a close house is beneficial, Nancy Pelosi and the leftists that control her will be able to get their troops in line sufficiently to put into place leftist policies unless we have the break that is, and by break, I mean literally like brakes on a car, the break that is the U.S. Senate. So yeah, fire break. we got to have a fire break. I agree that's right. with you. That's right. And so it all comes down to the Senate. I agree with you that the likelihood is that the Republicans win both seats in Georgia, just based on what the polling, albeit one is cautious about polling in general, but the overall makeup of Georgia and the candidates that are at issue. However, as we know, this is going to be a truly unique election in Georgia that is two senators up at the same time. It's going to determine the outcome of the Senate and millions, if not billions, possibly billions that's how remarkable it will be, uh, of dollars will be going into that race. So we can never be sure what will happen. And they're going, they likely will continue to have this mail-in voting, which is just opens up the potential for fraud. That's right, I said it. It opens up the potential for fraud. All these like, well, no, there's no way that could be. What do you mean there's no way? You're mailing out ballots and there's no potential for fraud? So... It's really this is going to be the linchpin of whether or not we take a sharp left in our government, our national government. Will all comes down to Georgia and the Senate. It's remarkable. In fact, it only it comes down to just one seat. We got to get one yeah. of those. We got to get Purdue. I mean, he he looks like he's in pretty good position to win. Right. If, if he wins, we hold the control. I'll bet by a razor-thin margin, just like the, the Democrats have control of the House. Uh, that's right, although I remain highly skeptical of Mitt Romney in such a fashion that getting the two seats from Georgia would give me a lot more comfort than getting just the one. Well, yeah, because you know, Mitt doesn't know a, a TV camera that he doesn't like to run to, uh, and uh, he likes to to kind of try to play the part of the great conciliator. So, uh, you know, he would be uh, somebody that we'd have to watch as well as Murkowski up there in Alaska. Yeah, I think Mitt Romney is even worse. Uh, Mitt Romney has demonstrated that he's all about Mitt Romney. And, And the added problem with that is it's not that he's all about Mitt Romney alone, 
albeit I believe that to be true. He couches himself in, well, I'm a grand leader, and let me tell you how this is going to come. I'm going to bring people together. You know, it it sounds like Kasich. Hold on. We've got to get Russian here. Let's get Russian, and then when we come back, we'll pick this up because we need to talk about Mitt Romney some more, maybe even Collins as well, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Here's Rush. You know, I'm thinking, Robert, that from now on, when Jones is doing the traffic, I need to play Mm -hmm. the Coaster song. Along came Jones. Remember that song? Barely. I think you're dating yourself. <laughs> I, I'm not dating myself. I mean, the bottom line is, is I remember old rock and roll as well, but that was, a, that was a big song back in the day with the coasters. All right, uh, 25 minutes till 8 yeah, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Here's something else that I remember, and that is Hillcrest Designer Jewelry is a place to go to get unique uh, jewelry, and you need to get over there now. I keep telling you this. I've been reminding you every day about this. You need to get over there to see them now. Christmas is not that far away. I know, I know, you're, Dave, don't tell me. Christmas is not that far away. Keep that in mind. I mean, Thanksgiving's not that far away. I can already smell some of the pies baking that people are making and because they got to meet the, the demands of how many people are going to be at Thanksgiving. But the bottom line is you want to get over and let Eric Coleman have enough time to talk about what it is you want this original piece of jewelry to be uh, about the person that you're buying uh, for that uh, piece of uh, that jewelry. In other words, you want to talk about the person. You know, do they, they like to go hiking or they want to do this and they want to they do that. Maybe you want to use some uh, uh, quartz in it because they like to go hiking and you want a piece of Arkansas uh, on a ring or a, or a necklace or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that uh, Eric Coleman does. And you can watch him from step one to step whatever it takes to do a ring, a bracelet, a necklace, or whatever. He does it on a computer. You see the, the wax uh, mark, um, you know, mock-up of it, and then you know what you're getting. But to do that, he needs the time to do it. So get a hold of him today at 3000 Cavanaugh at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry and give something really special this Christmas. All right, 737. Robert Steinbach is with us. Uh, we're thinking that Chris Corbett may have... Uh, Slept in, but we'll see if he doesn't join us before uh, 8.30 this morning. Uh, 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 at 6.30 tonight, you'll hear him uh, if he gets to us at the end of the show. But uh, I wanted to talk to you something that, that, that doesn't even involve the law right here, Robert. It doesn't even involve politics. I want to talk to you about Black Friday. You know, Black Friday is going on all this month at most places. Amazon's doing it. Walmart's doing it. But you know what's driving me crazy is trying to get some of the stuff that they uh, they price for Black Friday. They got it available at the store to a certain extent, and then they got it available on the website. Now, I ordered from uh, Walmart a 55-inch uh, 4K uh, flat screen TV, and I, I I went to order it, and uh, I couldn't get it at that moment because they said that uh, they had to restock. So I called, I came back on my phone five minutes before 
you're supposed to be able to, to buy it again. So I, I bought it, and it took my money. And mm-hmm. then it came up and it said, oh, we ran out. Uh, we'll be back in touch with you when we get more again and let you know when we're going to deliver your television. I don't like that. I don't like when they do mm-hmm. that. And, and the other one is when you know you got something that's going to be the, like the hottest item at Christmas time. And if you got to think about the hottest item for this Christmas, PlayStation 5 is the thing you got to think about. Yesterday was the first day PlayStation 5 was sold. And uh, Walmart did it too. And they said, well, well we got X amount of them. And uh, we're going to sell some at this time, some at this time, some at this time, and some at this time. And, and, and kind of break it out so you had a chance. Let me tell you what. I don't know who had a chance, but it sure wasn't me. I mean, right. Right. I couldn't could get one. It, it, right. Nowhere. Couldn't get it. Why? I don't understand why a company, and I understand demand, supply and demand, but if you have something that is, you know is going to be you know, like, kind of like Cabbage Patch Kids back in the 80s, and crazy as that was, uh, you should make enough to be, be aware. Now, in, in Hasbro's uh, defense with, with Cabbage Patch Kids, they didn't realize it was going to catch fire like that. The people at PlayStation knew what was coming. So how about making enough that you can meet demand at least? That would be nice. So I've I've been at my spleen, okay? Because that's <laughs> don't you just love being on my show? I get I get to you want to you want to you want to blint you want to you want to vent your spleen for a few moments. <laughs> That's what I do every Friday. But I, what I think is apt is you're pointing out uh, not that whether this company has produced enough or not produced enough. It's that when the retailers advertise a product and don't make it clear that it's unlikely that you'll get it. And yeah. that's just not fair. And, they're, and, you know, I'm all about free speech, but I'm not all about – uh, misleading advertising. And if you know you're going to have limited supplies, then you need to indicate that in an obvious fashion. Now, I, I'm not sure. I think I heard that Xbox is coming out this year, too. But we'll see what PlayStation 5 does, because you can get one. You can get one that's just digital, which is $400, or you can get one that is not just digital, but it's also, uh, you know, has the uh, the ability to play movies and things of that nature uh, for $500. And I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just shooting for the digital one because I've, I've got a 4K player uh, already set up. I, I'm, I'm going to make a, a small uh, uh, kind of digital oasis in our front bedroom. You, you've been to my house. You know what I'm talking about. Yes. And Indeed. I'm going to I'm putting that 55 inch TV. I'm going to put a PlayStation five. I'm going to play a digital player, a DVD player. So when my grandkids come over, they're not just totally, you know, bored out of their minds when they come to see, you know, pop. Uh, they're going to be able to go in and, and play a, a video game or something. And of course, pop likes to play with them. So uh, we'll have that time together. But uh, I got to be able to get the stuff to make it. You know what I'm saying? I want to have it up for Christmas. Because I got uh, I got a bunch of my grandkids coming Christmas. I, um, at Christmas I will have, let me see, three, six, seven, seven of the twelve will be here. Wow! 
That's great. And to to all those who say, Dave, COVID-19, hey, if I can't live my life and be around my family, I don't want to live my life. I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Same thing that the mayor of Chicago saying, you may only have 10 people for Thanksgiving. What are they going to do, go door to door and count? It's really remarkable these days how there's so much overreach. Uh, And we have this here in Arkansas, right? That's why you're a party to a lawsuit that says, hey, shouldn't the legislature be involved in making these decisions? And and people, uh, too many people aren't even batting an eye. They're not paying attention as their rights are diminished. We're not even arguing about the outcome. We're not arguing about what policies should be in place. We're arguing about the process that leads to the outcome. And why would any elected official want to be the only decision maker? I, if I were an elected official, I want others to participate, even if they disagree with me, because that's what democracy is about. Well, it also just takes the gun off of pointing at you. Right, that's true too. That's I mean, true I'm too. Just, just being honest with you, you mm-hmm. wanna you wanna carry all of that? I mean, uh, you know what? You end up you end up being like Como and making excuses about everything and making yourself. Well, he's a murderer. Like, he's making yourself. Let me be like clear. Him. He's a murderer. That guy is. He's a murderer and a liar. He uh, issued an order that put a bunch of infected old folks back into uh, nursing homes. Uh, They spread COVID to the other elderly, weak, immune-compromised residents of those nursing homes and killed them. He's a murderer, and now he's like, well, I didn't do anything. No, no, I I sort of did, but I didn't issue that order. And anyway, nobody acted upon that order. All lies, Dave. Lies. I know. I know. He's lying his his rear end off, uh, and and uh, that's what they do uh, best sometimes. And this mm-hmm. whole thing about saying I I'll put an end to the uh, the vaccine. I won't let it be released in New York City while it's under uh, Trump's uh, administration. He'd rather see more people die. Well, it's the ongoing hypocrisy. Remember what Hillary said right before the election. Don't concede anything, Joe. So now the president says, I'm not conceding at this juncture. And oh, my gosh, the walls of Jericho were coming down. Our whole institution. You know, I love how they always use the same phrasing. The norms, the norms. If, if, if you don't think we elected Trump for the very purpose of challenging the so-called norms, meaning the swamp that has been government, then you don't understand what the Trump movement has been all about. But they, they tell their people, don't concede anything. But then when the shoe is on the other foot, as is the example that I gave and the example that you just gave in a different context, they have exactly the opposite outcome. Why? Because they're hypocrites, Dave. That's why. Yep, and I agree with that 100%. All right, we'll come back. we got to get another break in, final break for this hour, and then we're going to come back, and I want to talk more uh, and in depth about the Senate because it's, it's, it's really ground zero now that we need to talk about. And uh, we'll mention also about the House because can Pelosi hold on to her control uh, when she only won control the last time, like in with three or four votes, all of a sudden now there's the possibility she might lose control. And is that a good or a bad thing? I've always been told, deal with the devil you know, don't deal with the devil you don't. We'll, we'll talk about that. 14 minutes before 8 here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
All right, so my trivia question today is there's a state that allows you to get a ballot to vote, and you can vote for nobody. So I'm, uh, I'm looking this up because I want to know uh, what the answer is of that so I can give it before the end of the show today. Uh, Robert Steinbach is with us. Let's get back to talking to about the issues of today. And uh, the big issue, uh, I think, voting-wise, is what's going on in Georgia. Uh, you've got uh, Senator Perdue and uh, Senator Loeffler both running for re-election. Senator Perdue uh, got the majority of votes, but he didn't break the 50% threshold that you have to break uh, to claim victory. Uh, so uh, they have to have a runoff election. You got to get 50 plus one in Georgia to be uh, declared uh, the victor. It's just not the, the majority, which is kind of weird because they don't ask that of the presidential election only for their uh, the state senators and things of that nature. Uh, Loeffler seemed to be trailing by about one and a half, one and three quarters points, although uh, she seems to be gaining steam. Do you think it was the third uh, party candidates that pulled away votes from the Republicans and I mean, Jurgensen with the, the you know, the uh, Libertarian Party and stuff. Do you think those people take part in the vote again and uh, and vote for Republicans in, because they don't have a, a Libertarian? Or how do you think this is going to play out, Robert? Well, as I mentioned earlier in your show, Dave, I, I think that the numbers favor the Republicans. And I'm not saying that because I favor the Republicans. I mean, that's what it looks like at this moment based on evaluation of their electorate. So we'll see. I don't know. And I no longer, and for some time, have relied upon polls. They, the pollsters obviously don't know, as a general matter, what they're doing. There was an article in the New York Times that said, well, people are expecting too much precision from the pollsters. Too much precision. Too much precision. When you say that it's 10 to 20 percent uh, advantage for Biden. And even if what they claim the outcome is today, it's two or three percent nationwide and, and even closer when you look at the Electoral College, which is what counts. So what are you measuring? The precision is, oh, well, we were only off by 30 percent. OK. Uh, so in other words, what you've told us is entirely unhelpful to predicting the actual outcome. So that's the kind of, I want the precision such that it is of assistance to me. If it's of no assistance, then that's insufficient precision. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm with you on on that. By the way, over in Paris, uh, they are uh, commemorating 2015 today. That's when ISIS staged a series of terrorist attacks in Paris, uh, which culminated in that massacre at that theater uh, and uh you know, those guys got in with their AK-47s and nobody else had a weapon and they just slaughtered all those people, which is a prime example of why having the Second Amendment is so important. Mm-hmm. So you can protect yeah, listen, yourself. You don't have to convince me about the usefulness of the Second Amendment. Bob Ballinger just raised uh, the other day on Twitter the importance uh, of stand your ground. And I pointed out 
in in conjunction with what he was writing, that now that Dan Sullivan has replaced the Democrat vote against it. Now, I realize the guy ran as a Republican, but let's call him what he is. The Democrat vote against Stand Your Ground in committee, we will easily pass Stand Your Ground out of the Judiciary Committee. And of course, the Senate and House will pass uh, Stand Your Ground, uh, which was sponsored by, and I suspect will be equally sponsored by, Bob Ballinger and Aaron Pilkington in this forthcoming legislative session. And that's just one greater step towards enforcing our Second Amendment rights. It's really remarkable, but we need to continually enact legislation to bring about an an effective uh, recognition of the Second Amendment. It perhaps shouldn't be that way, but it is that way. And so rather than fighting that onslaught, uh, we use the legislative process to bring about the constitutional outcome that we are entitled to. Well, at least you get it on the floor. I got to believe that if uh, Stand Your Ground gets to the Senate floor for a vote, uh, it will pass. Uh, there's a, there's enough uh, no know, question yeah. Second Amendment adherence that it, it's going to pass. Uh, you know, people here say this all the time, but it is a truth to it, and that is that committees are where bills go to die. You you know, it's it's harder to get right. a bill out of a committee than it is many times to get it passed on the floor. There's no question about it. Uh, and that's it, it serves as a screening function. Sometimes that's good. I won't say that up front that's a good or bad thing in terms of any individual legislation, although one might be able to draw a conclusion overall, whether it's a positive or a negative. I'm not sure I know the answer to that question as we sit here right now. But the bottom line was when Bob Ballinger brought up Stand Your Ground in the last legislature, legislative session nobody expected nobody knew because it was not disclosed that the then senator from Jonesboro I guess he's still the senator from Jonesboro for a short time was going to vote against it and so uh, Bob and others hadn't accounted for that and that threw the whole uh, vote election so to speak into disarray that won't happen again we now have a different makeup come January in the Senate. So stand your ground will pass, but that doesn't mean we don't still need to be vigilant in ensuring that. We can't take anything for granted the same way we were, or at least generally, confident that it would pass last time uh, until the uh, senator, the then senator from Jonesboro, did something that no Republican expected. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, uh I would say he paid the price for that. He lost his seat because of that, and it wasn't even close when it went to no. when it went to the people for a vote, and uh, and that's rightly so. All right, when we come back, something that I'm going to talk about on Monday, but I want to talk a little bit about it with you. And there are about seven promises that the Democrats have made that they would like to institute if they get the House, the Senate, and the White House. And I want to run over them with you and and get your thoughts about them here uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. The number one, one of the number one things that they want to do is they want to bring the assault weapons ban back. Sounds good to some people, does nothing. 
We'll talk about that uh, as soon as we get back from the news. So let's do the news, Robert, and then we'll come back and yep. we'll talk further here on the show. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. It is a Friday. Robert uh, will be back with me at 6 o'clock this evening because the live part of the show is over here at the news. Uh, 6 o'clock, listen to Robert and I talk about what the Democrats want to do if they get control of the legislature, uh, legislature and uh, the White House. And uh, we'll talk about that. And then Matt Smith at 835, we'll talk about movies. I've seen a couple of new movies that I'll tell you about when we return at 6 o'clock tonight on the Dave Ellswick Show. to uh, the 6 o'clock hour here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert Steinbach is with me. Uh, He uh, joins me on Fridays uh, from 7 to 8 o'clock and then again from 6 o'clock till 6.30. Good to have him along with us. Typically, Chris Corbett is with us. He's not today. Uh, He should be back next week. There's a lot at stake at what's going on in Georgia with the election of two uh, state senators from that state. Now, a lot, some things have changed. We've, Tillis has won in uh, New, uh, what, North Carolina. He's won there. And up in Alaska, uh, Douglas has won, which, which puts us at uh, 50 uh, as far as that's concerned. But we would like to get 51 and 52 because uh, the, the, uh, the Democrats have 48. So if they've won both of the uh, Uh, senatorial positions in Georgia, you would have a tie of 50-50. And, of course, to break the tie, if uh, Biden is, in fact, going to be our next president, uh, not just president-elect, but president the 20th of January, then uh, we have a situation where uh, the vice president breaks the ties, and that would be Harris. And so you would have a Democrat. So let's just talk about some of the big deals that are sitting out there that the uh, the Biden campaign talked about during the election that the Democrats have talked about during the election as well. Number one, Biden has said throughout his campaign that he's been open about his intention to pass restrictive gun laws if he's elected president. According to his official campaign platform, Biden would urge Congress to renew the 1984 federal ban on assault weapons. In addition, he says he would propose a buyback program for assault weapons. Furthermore, a Biden administration and democratically controlled Senate would almost certainly pass further legislation banning the sale of firearms and ammunition online. That's a lot just in that first one that's on the line, Robert. 
Okay. Question. There's no debate. There okay. Yeah. Did okay. I lose you for a second? I'm sorry. I lost There's you. no debate. There's no question <clears throat> that the Democrats are anti-gun, anti-Second Amendment. I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. Ask them. Ask them what they think of gun rights, what they think of the Second Amendment. And they'll give you some baloney pablum about, well, the Second Amendment means you carry a musket. Um, Last time I checked, you lefties were big fans when the Supreme Court discovered rights that are not clearly written in the Constitution. But when the Supreme Court regarding the Second Amendment says, yes, the Second Amendment is an individual right, that one you're ignoring. It's just selective recognition of rights that's truly remarkable. Meaning, I as a conservative, while I don't necessarily agree with all of the decisions of the Supreme Court, I've said repeatedly on this show, the Supreme Court's decided such and such issue, so that issue is now done, at least for the present time, but not the left. And so they will continue to try to chip away at your gun rights and tell you, no, you don't have a right to own a particular rifle. No, you don't have a right to defend yourself. None of these rights are Uh, the core of the Second Amendment. And that is just an absurd reading of the Second Amendment. I get it that they don't like gun rights. Josh Silverstein, who's been on your show, of course, many times, uh, and uh, welcome so, is an honest leftist. You know what he says? He goes, oh, well, yeah, the Second Amendment certainly allows that. I just wish we could repeal the Second Amendment. So he's honest about what most lefties are liars about. He says, I just don't like it. Sure, I get that. No problem. You're entitled not to like it. You're entitled to say we should repeal it. But what he doesn't say is that the Second Amendment doesn't guarantee the rights that we know that it does. And we have a right to bear. Oh, well, you see, uh, the AR-15 is a military assault, yada, yada, make-believe, nonsensical language weapon. Uh, Okay, so I can use a, a, a hunting rifle because, you know, the hunting rifles of today are the military weapons of yesteryear. And the AR-15 is less potent a killing machine than the, than the weapons that it replaced, than is the M1 and the M14. So is that what you want, a, a better killing machine? They, the left don't even understand how firearms work. They just don't like them. They're entitled not to like them. They're just not entitled to rewrite the Constitution to their whims of the day, and that's why they believe in this nonsensical notion of a living Constitution, i.e., uh, that is, translation is, we don't like the words, we'll redefine the words. It's make-believe, Dave. Yeah, well, I agree with you on that. And uh, the other thing is, is that, you know, the, 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 the assault weapons ban came down to did the gun look bad? I mean, look, Boxer and Feinstein both admit they sat down with a gun catalog and said, ooh, that one looks really dangerous. It was no more dangerous than a regular hunting rifle, but it looks that looks really kind of dangerous. So they put it in the assault weapons ban. That's it's that's the way they did it. It's non nonsensical is a great word for that. All right, number two, free college tuition. Now this is going right off of the platform for Biden. Uh, he openly endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders' uh, uh, plan for free college tuition, according to his campaign and to his campaign website. 
Biden will present legislation to Congress which, quote, makes public colleges and universities tuition free for all students whose family incomes are below one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. According to expert estimates, CBO and others, the cost of this plan would total over the next 10 years, one point two trillion dollars. And then on top of that, uh, and, and by the way, they they came in a lot lower than that until the CBO came in with the big the big number and they 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 wiped the number they had off of their their website. On top of that, uh, Biden pledges to enact legislation which would allow Americans, young Americans, to offset their personal student loans in bankruptcy, a move that would also cost billions of dollars. This is insanity, uh, Robert. By the way, what does money have to do with it? Below $125,000. I thought that going to college was going to be, should be based on merit. How well did you do in in high school so that you can go to college and you can succeed in college? That's the way it used to be. It's not that way anymore. Now, high, you know, going to college is like going to high school, I guess. Dave, let me address your latter point first, but briefly, and then go to your bigger point second. The notion of merit doesn't exist to the left, you see. Your merit, you see, they deny the exam. Well, you know, the, the score on that exam, that's a racist exam. Yeah, because a, a list of questions about whether three plus three is six or not, that's racist. I'm obviously mocking that. Uh, the, they have completely eviscerated the notion of merit because they have not seen identical outcomes based on different ethnic groups. Well, why would you have identical outcomes based on different ethnic groups? You don't have identical outcomes on hair color. You don't have identical outcomes on height. Why should you have identical outcomes on anything? It's seemingly silly. You don't have identical outcomes, by the way, even based on um, uh, in terms of uh, what we call merit based on sex. So it's just a silly notion to expect identical outcomes. There's a whole host of reasons that you don't have identical outcomes, uh, sociological reasons uh, that I'm talking about, of course. So the left has no choice but to deny the existence of merit to pursue their identity politics outcomes. This is what Bill de blah, blah, Blasio has done in New York, they have uh, these magnet schools, and the magnet schools have a lot of Asians attending those magnet schools, greater than the proportion of Asians in the population in New York. Well, that just ain't right, according to the lefty identity politics folks. And so, you know what he wants to do? If the test produces that outcome, do away with the test. That's right. The the test is the problem. Wait, Wait a second. Maybe there's some other problem out there that's producing that outcome. Maybe merit is measured by the test. And if you're not having enough of another group that you want there, you need to address the problems that are associated with that group, not the test itself. No, not according to lefties, because they're all about redefining reality when it comes to identity politics. And so their answer is, if the outcome ain't right, well, the test ain't right. So redefine the test. Do away with the test. This is what we have every day in leftist politics. And now I focus all my attention on the latter point. I've forgotten your former point. Well, the bottom line is uh, talking 
about uh, you're, you're looking at, uh, if well, you already dealt with it. Uh, the okay. $120,000 $120, stress uh, threshold. Oh, let me say something quickly about that, Dave. Here's the thing. It's, it's a fallacy that people who don't have enough money can't go to a public school for free or near free. There was a New York Times article about this notion, and they admitted it, but they said, oh, but the real problem is those folks don't get to go to private schools for free. So now the problem isn't going to public school for free because no longer are those public schools created to allow people to go to school irrespective of income. That's not good enough. My father went to public school. He got his master's degree from Baruch College. That was one of the schools talked about in the New York Times article a few months ago. The article actually came out when I was guest hosting for you. I remember pulling that article and not having enough time to pay strict attention to it. And so now going to Baruch College or any other public school is not good enough. If you're poor, you're entitled to go to Harvard or some other private school the same way someone who can pay for it is entitled to. Now, I think it's nice to be able to go to any school that you want to, the same way it's nice to be able to buy any car that you want to. But guess what? Rich people get to buy any car they want to because they have the money, and I ain't that person but poor people can't, and I'm not going to tell a private institution that they must admit somebody even if that person can't pay the bill. That's why we have public schools, and the fact is we have some excellent public schools, and if you are of low income and you have merit, you have the credentials to get into a top-notch public school, you'll be able to get into that top-notch public school for the most part, and you won't have an issue in terms of payment because the fees will be sufficiently low or waived that you can afford it. So this is a leftist fallacy that's brought out uh, as part of their process of, of attacking the notion of merit. All right. Next, and let, let's do one more, and then we'll take our break. Citizenship for Illegal Immigrants. The Biden campaign, according to their website, Biden would work with Congress. And this is what we're talking about. If he has Congress, the House and the Senate got the majority in both of them to provide a roadmap to citizenship for nearly 11 million undocumented immigrants. He also promises to send legislation to Congress which would re-implement DACA and ensure students living here illegally are entitled to federal aid. So what the, the, the you know, Biden Dave, is saying. I got saying, a question hey, for look, you. Yeah, go ahead. I got a question for you. I know you're reading this from an article or something, but you've been subjected uh, unwittingly to the mind control of the left because you just read uh, undocumented immigrants, undocumented immigrants. I don't yeah, know what they are. Yeah, what is that? I know. You mean gotcha. illegal aliens? Yeah, that's right. That's a quote from Biden. Undocumented immigrants. I know it is, but that's they're, my point. They're illegal. It, I agree. Right. Illegal aliens. I didn't make up the term. It's not a conservative term. It's the language in the immigration law. It yep. says these people are illegal aliens. That's the term in the statute. So. Yet again, of course, the left will go, oh, it's, it's uh, structural racism. No, it's the term that defines those who are here illegally. That was agreed to by Republicans and Democrats when they wrote the law. 
Of course, indeed. That's right, an excellent something point. Something for everybody to keep in, in mind. All right, let's take a break. Got to get a break in, and then we'll come back and finish up our 6 o'clock hour, uh, half hour. I want to talk about climate change, and I want to talk about the rescind, uh, rescinding the Trump uh, tax court and stacking the Supreme Court. So we got a lot of area that we're going to cover yet with Robert Steinbach, who is from the Bowen School of Law. He is a uh, law professor there. His opinions are his and his alone and not necessarily those of the School of Law or the university upon who they work with. Seven, uh, About 17 minutes after six, maybe a little later than that, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Look, we're, we're down to just a few minutes with Robert Steinbach, so I'm going to rush through these next three things. Uh, I'll have Robert back on again, and we'll get into some of these things even more in depth because it's important. What would happen if the Democrats had control of the House, which they're going to have, had the, the White House, that's still to be determined, and had the Senate? That's to be determined. Right now it looks like it's leaning red. Okay, we've gone through some of this stuff uh, with you already. Uh, Some other things. Let's go through these last three. Uh, Climate change. On the subject of climate change, the possibility of Harris presiding over the Senate would be key for Biden. Harris famously co-sponsored the original Green New Deal. Enough said. Exactly. Uh, There's no question, Dave, that... Biden's going to move everything as far left as he can. He's in part because he has a a leftist ideology of his own, albeit not as extreme as many who are controlling him. And it's that latter point that will drive the outcome. That is, those surrounding him are extreme leftists, and he's moderately leftist, while the combination is moderately extreme leftist. And if we don't keep the Senate... All bets are off. That's right. Absolutely. All right. Rescinding the Trump tax cuts. One of the most noticeable ways a Democrat-controlled Senate and Biden presidency would impact average Americans would be the reversal of the Trump tax cuts. He made this sound like during the campaign that only those people that made, quote, a lot of money, we're going to pay extra in taxes. The bottom line is the Trump tax cuts gave most Americans, at least uh, two uh, you know, families, at least 4000 to $6,000 more per year. Yeah, and as we just discussed, what will determine whether or not he reverses the Trump tax cuts is whether or not Republicans maintain the Senate. That's it. That's what will determine that outcome. All right. Uh, Also know that uh, he wants to take a corporate tax rate back up, I think, to 26, not 28 percent, which it was before, even though corporate tax revenue increased by five billion dollars a year as soon as the rate was lowered to 21, 21 percent. This is the difficulty. Yeah, this is the difficulty uh, for uh, people uh, often to understand, is that there is a balance. This is reflected in what's known as the Laffer 
curve. That is, the, the higher you raise taxes, the more people and entities look for opportunities to avoid those taxes. And unlike individuals where you and I live here in Arkansas, so we've got to pay Arkansas taxes, we've got to pay federal taxes, and sometimes you've got to pay, I think, I, I guess I pay some sort of low, I pay real estate taxes, all that kind of thing. Institutions can avoid a lot of those taxes. Well, if, if you don't want to pay American taxes, incorporate in Ireland. You can yeah. literally do that. So yep. that's the balance that the left doesn't seem to understand. Yeah, I agree. And then finally, perhaps the most important and impactful duty of the U.S. Senate is the confirmation of judges to the Supreme Court. While nominees traditionally needed 60 votes to be confirmed, Mitch McConnell and Senate Republicans amended the rules in 2016 or 17 to allow for confirmation with a simple majority of 51 votes. So the vote is tied 50-50. Once again, Harris would be the deciding vote. So that's something to understand. Biden would probably, if he's president, have one, maybe two uh, opportunities, uh, unless somebody died unexpectedly, uh, to uh, put in solid liberals to the court. Well, that's right. That's always the case with any president. That is, they have an opportunity with openings to fill judicial spots. The difference here is, or let me rephrase that. What I think we should start thinking about is for Republicans to do what Democrats have done all along. I don't think it's a good approach, but I don't believe in unilateral disarmament. And the Democrats have consistently fought against every conservative appointment based on their judicial philosophy. Go back. All of the close votes, all of the close votes, Dave, were when Republicans were appointing Democrats, not the other way around. Not when Democrats, uh, uh, excuse me, when Republicans were appointing conservatives, when Republicans were appointing conservatives. Right. And so so we need to be more vigilant in saying no, just say no to liberal judges. All right. We'll be back with Robert again next Friday, maybe even more so. I may have him on the middle of this week because I'd really like to talk about this last uh, uh, theme as well again. Thanks, Robert. Talk to you later. Matt Smith joins us now. The movie mogul of Central Arkansas owns the VIP cinemas in Hot Springs here in uh, Little Rock at the Riverdale 10, also at the... Uh, Cabot uh, VIP Cinema, the Searcy VIP Cinema, and the Oaks up in Batesville VIP Cinema as well. There's a couple of great movies that are playing. Now, I didn't get one of them open last week, but I didn't really get to talk about it uh, from seeing it. I talked about knowing who was in it. Uh, I can tell you now that I've seen it, it is well worth your time to uh, tonight. If you're looking for an adult drama, one that doesn't have a bunch of special effects, and you got to pay a little bit of attention to the to the uh, you know conversation and to the script. And by the way, the script is written fantastically. Uh, you'll want to see "Let Him Go." Uh, the basic synopsis: uh, uh, a son uh, for a, a, a mother and father's son is is married, has a grandson. The grandson means everything to them. Uh, He's their only grandson. I can relate to to some of that, being that Eli is three years old, and I know how important he is to me. And suddenly something happens. Their son dies. The the wife gets remarried, and the people that she gets 
remarry too because you know you don't marry just one person you marry a family uh, are nut jobs and they won't let them see their grandson so what do you do and it's a great great movie kevin cosner uh, best role he's had since open range it is a very good movie if you like yellowstone you're going to like him in this movie if you like diane lane who i'm a big fan and have been a big fan of diane lane's forever uh She's fantastic in this movie as well. And I, I don't know the name of the, the woman who plays the, the, the matriarch of this family, but she's awesome as well. Uh, let me say, when somebody plays a role and she makes you hate them, <laughs> the way she, she makes you hate her, uh, you know she's done her part and done it well. Uh, script is taunt. The script is crisp. The script is is well written, and the direction is really well. And the cinematography, if you're into that, uh, you may not even know you're into it. You just go, wow, that looks really great. Uh, the cinematography is really, really uh, good as well, the way they use lighting to heighten uh, the tension and things of that nature. So i got to tell you, Matt, you were right when you said last week this was a must-see movie. It, it, it's a must-see movie. Uh, you know, let him go. It's a great movie. Yes, absolutely. Um, tr- tremendous film. I'm with the box office over the weekend. Uh, Jeffrey Donovan also stars. Uh, William Britton is in the film. Uh, Leslie Manville plays the character you're talking about. Just a wonderful motion picture. Uh, def- definitely a must-see. Uh, like I said, number one, number one film in the country last week. This is just a really good time. If you are a fan of adult drama, if you're a fan of horror movies, if you are a fan of independent films, this is absolutely a time to be going to the cinemas. You know, film critics are losing their minds because Let Him Go is the kind of movie that a film critic loves. So, uh, you know, there's been the past six months just an abundance of independent films and really good dramas Adult motion pictures, if you will, hitting the screen at movie theaters. Yeah, this can't and recommend. This, let him go enough. Yeah, it, that's a really good movie. Here's what I'll compare it to, and you're going to have to help me just a little bit here. Uh, who's the guy who wrote Sicaro? Oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, he's, um, he's I can't. A, I can't remember off the top of my head, but yes. Yeah, he's written a couple of other movies, one about the two brothers and and uh, robbing the bank and because they were screwing over their 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 father and their mother and they're trying to keep the farm and then the other one about uh uh the guy who's up north and and tracking down, you know, who killed uh, some people at in a in a trailer house. All three of those movies yeah. are must-see movies. That's the way. And Yellowstone. Yeah. Yellowstone also hits. Yeah, it, it's really that's it's that kind of writing. It is so compelling. It sucks you in so completely, and it's so truthful and realistic. You want to go see this movie. It is a great film. You can catch it at all five locations. Uh, that's going on this week. Be sure to check it out. You know, of course, it's playing in Little Rock at Riverdale 10, and that's Riverdale10.com. We've got some other great motion pictures that are, that are also opening um, today as well. You may have seen the wonderful reviews uh, in the Arkansas Democrat Gazette movie style section today. Uh, we are playing Echo Boomers, which the 
Democratic Gazette gave an 87 today. Uh-huh. Uh, the writer of that movie um, is from uh, Arkansas. Uh, it is his debut film. It, uh, of course, stars Michael Shannon and Patrick Schwarzenegger. It is a great motion picture. It's exclusively at Riverdale 10. Echo Boomers, check that out. Uh, Neon Distribution released Ammonite today with Kate Winslet. Uh, that is also playing exclusively at Riverdale 10. Make sure you check that out. And we got Ron Howard's new film with uh, Glenn Close and Amy Adams, Hillbilly Elegy. That is also at Riverdale 10, Riverdale10.com. You know, be sure to catch those uh, three motion pictures playing exclusively at Riverdale. Now, Let Him Go and the new one, Freaky, both of those are playing at all five locations. Cabot, Searcy, Hot Springs, Little Rock, and, of course, Batesville. A lot of variety for you this weekend. Yeah, definitely. Let me just say, I, I tried to do this during, I'm getting back into a little bit of normalcy now since we got new product coming out, Matt. I went to the movie last night there in Cabot, and I went and saw Freaky with Vince Vaughn. I got to tell you, I was really pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed the movie. I thought I was going to like it, but I really, really enjoyed it. And let me tell you right off the bat the two reasons that I liked it. One, I'm a huge Vince Vaughn fan. Ever since Swingers, I have been a Vince Vaughn fan. He is a great actor. He's, you know, he needs to get a bigger uh, break. Uh, and maybe this movie would do it for him. I don't know. But, I mean, comedy to me seems to be his forte now. Uh, Wedding Crashers and everything else that he's done. Just really great stuff. But on top of that, uh, I got to tell you that I'm uh, the d- director who did Happy Death Day as well, uh, did a great job with this movie. It's funny, as you watch this movie, the pacing of this movie follows Happy Death Day. It's got that feel to it. This director has already come up with his own feel for the movies that he he directs, don't you think? Hey, what's not to love about Vince Vaughn? You know, when has he not done a good movie? I agree. Um, I agree. Yes, I totally agree. I like the new twist on this film. Uh, I expect it to be uh, a big box office for that film this weekend. Uh, you know, the biggest movies um, that we've had uh, at the box office the past six months, Tenet, done very well at the box office. Um, Unhinged did well at the box office. New Mutants did well at the box office. But, of course, all of those were out back in August. And then now we've had a hit with Let Him Go. And I do believe uh, Freaky this weekend will fall into that same category. Uh, I expect this film to be extremely popular. Vince Vaughn is popular. The storyline is funny, like you said. Yeah, and it, it throws in some elements of the, the slasher film slash comedy. You know? Yeah, I, I think it's there. Yes, I agree 100%. Yeah, it was fun to watch. Uh, it, it had some It had some good uh, moments of tension. Uh, Vince Vaughn is just hilarious. Basically, this is Friday the 13th meets Freaky Friday. Basically. <laughs> good good description. Real good description. That's basically what it is. And, by the way, it opens uh, today nationwide, and the movie takes place on Friday the 13th. Today is Friday the 13th. So uh, it, it's really, really a fun movie to watch. Uh, Linda and I were amazed that we we liked it as much as we did. I, like I said, I thought we would like it, but 
it, it's really a movie you should go see. Just and especially just to kind of get away from the stress and the and the the, the headaches uh, daily. I mean, when you go see dramas, sometimes they just add to that. This doesn't. This this is so over the top. It's it's crazy. Although, let me warn some people: there are some um, interesting kills in this movie. There are there are there are there are slasher moments in this movie that are way over the top uh that uh, if you're not you're not going to be ready for them they're going to come out of nowhere i'm just telling you it's 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 cool the way that he did them i i really give well, him credit for that it is rated r you know for those yeah. elements yeah it's not sure. it's not because of nudity and it and uh, i guess you could say a little bit because of language because there's a few f bombs that are dropped but it's because of the violence that shows up in the yes. to be honest in the first 15 minutes of the movie you're going to get assaulted yes. but there let me tell you when you get to the wood shop it gets really violent <laughs> well Vince Vaughn is playing a, ser- a serial killer yeah that's right in this comedy slash slasher film so you know I mean it I mean you should be expecting that you know so yeah. I, I guess you've got an R there for the mayhem during the murders I guess might be a good way to put it and I have to say towards <laughs> the end end of this movie that they have the biggest butcher knife I've ever seen. <laughs> In a, in a slasher movie, in their homage to kind of Halloween, but oh my God, could they've got that thing? That thing looked almost like uh, a machete. <laughs> well, um, but that is part of that is actually part of Vince Vaughn's character's name. I mean, he is called the Butcher. That's you know, right. <laughs> in That's this right. movie, so he needs that knife. Yeah, the oh, Blissville Butcher needs that knife. That's, Blissville, what a name! I Blissville. I laughed, I laughed my <laughs> my butt off. They're panning. There's a scene right at the beginning of the movie where the this teenage girl is going to school, and it pans, and you see the name of the town, and it's called Blissville. And I just burst out laughing uh, in the theater. Blissville. Yeah, what a great, <laughs> what a great it name! It's a nice that. parody. It really is. It yeah, really but, is. Very, very funny. I, I, I can't I go really wrong with Freaky. Yeah, Freaky is a good movie. I mean, go in knowing that it's an homage to Friday the Thirteenth and Halloween and slasher movies. Of, you know, Happy Valentine's Day and all the rest of them from the from the eighties, and just accept it for what it is and go along for the ride. That's what you got to do. Yes, you know. Yes, and and you know, be sure to check out Kevin Costner and Let Him Go. That's a great one. Yeah, you know, we no got, got to see that. All right, we got to come back. We want to go through all the movies that are on, all the specials that are going on, and where they're playing at, the different movies uh, for all of the theaters. We're going to do that when we return here on the Dave Ellswick Show with Matt Smith, the movie mogul, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, final segment for a Friday show here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and we've got Matt Smith with us. He's the movie mogul. That's what... 
That's my term. I think I should dress, I should get a picture of him, dress him up like a guy from Monopoly, give him a monocle to put in <laughs> his, in his eye, and have him have him take a picture like that. Because he owns the theaters in Hot Springs there, uh, the VIP cinemas there, the v, uh, the of, of course uh, the VIP cinema which is right there in Little Rock uh, at Riverdale Ten, VIP cinema in Cabot, VIP cinemas over in Searcy, VIP cinema at the Oaks in Batesville as well. And wherever he picks up the cinemas, they bring in the luxury recliners, the great food, adult beverages where the the town will allow him to and things of that nature. It's a great experience on top of great entertainment. I I have nothing but admiration and uh, respect for what Matt Smith has done for the, uh, the, the, the the local movie business here in central Arkansas. Hey, Matt, let's let's uh, go back and, and talk about which movies are where and uh, what are some of the specials you got going on, and then we'll talk about what people might want to see next weekend as well. Absolutely. Well, when you're talking about specials, of course, Tuesday night, all of the tickets for every movie we're playing are just $5.00. That's every Tuesday night, all movies, all features, all seats. Everyone in for just 5 bucks. Wednesdays, you get a free bag of popcorn with every ticket purchase. That's every Wednesday. Um, movies, we got a few that we're playing on the screen. Those tickets are always $5, seven days a week, all movies, all showtimes. Today, we brought back Guardians of the Galaxy. That's back on the screen today. Uh, and we are still playing Toy Story from 1995, celebrating its 25th anniversary. Those tickets are just $5. So be sure to check those out. And, uh, you know, new this week, Freaky. Uh, we just talked about that film with Vince Vaughn. It's playing at all five locations. And, of course, Let Him Go with Kevin Costner. You can catch that at all five locations. Guardians of the Galaxies at all the theaters. We're still playing Come Play, uh, which is normal at the box office three weeks ago for Halloween weekend. Spell is still on the screen. Love and Monsters still on the screen. You can check those movies out at all of our locations. In Little Rock, it's Riverdale10.com. That's the website, Riverdale10.com. And at Riverdale 10, we have exclusively Ammonite from Neon Distribution, starring Kate Winslet. We're also playing Hillbilly Elf, directed by Ron Howard. It's going to be an award winner, Stan Chloe Adams. And we have Michael Shannon in Echoers. That's exclusively at Riverdale 10. And, of course, the writer of Echo Boomers, uh, the man who wrote the film, is from Maumelle, Arkansas. So be, to check, be sure to call that out at Riverdale10.com. Now, at all the locations, we've got nacho, nachos for just $3. Uh, you can get a bag of popcorn for just bucks. And, of course, we have candy for only a dollar. All kinds of concession specials. Just click Welcome Back Concession Specials at the websites. Of course, that's CerseCinema.com, Hot Springs, VIP.com, CabotVIPCinema.com and OaksVIPCinema.com. Be sure to check those out. Or, hey, just go to Riverdale10.com and click theaters, and they'll all pop up. So a lot of specials, a lot of great movies, a lot of things going on this weekend for you to check out. New movies are coming online every week. Uh, Next week on the 20th, we have Vanguard uh, starring Jackie Chan, new action film from Jackie Chan. That starts on the 20th. And let me throw in. Let me throw in here that it's directed by Stanley Tong. Now, for any of you who are Jackie, real Jackie Chan film fans, you know that Stanley Tong 
uh, directed and did the stunts in some of the greatest Jackie Chan movies back in the 90s, like Rumble in the Bronx and First Strike and things of that nature. So it's their first pairing in a long time, and I can't wait. Thursday night, we've got the special Jackie Chan film event at 7 p.m. for that movie. A lot of behind-the-scenes footage and special commentary on the film uh, with an introduction and some commentary following the following the movie credits uh, with Jackie Chan. So be sure to check that out. That's just Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Uh, also starting on the 20th, The Last Vermeer, which is set in World War II and stars Guy Pierce. And also on the 20th, we have Buddy Games, which is a comedy uh, that starts on the 20th with Kevin Dillon and Dax Shepard, and uh, it is it is hilarious. That is a good comedy buddy games that starts on the 20th. 25th, we'll have Crude's The New Age, PG, brand-new film from Universal Pictures. be good for the whole family right in time for Thanksgiving. So be sure to check all those out. Those are coming up. Uh, Focus Features has a movie called Half Brothers that starts on – December the 4th, Lionsgate has a movie called Fatale that starts December the 18th. And um, we've got some reissues coming up. On the 25th, Disney will release Frozen back in the theaters again. And on November 20th, we'll have the reissue of The Santa Claus with Tim Allen. So we'll have some cool classics back on the screen for you for $5 as well. In addition, all those new Hollywood movies for this weekend, next weekend, and the week of Thanksgiving. All right, fantastic. I, I want to go back and talk about Jackie Chan for just a moment because you can take the whole family to this new Jackie Chan movie, Vanguard, and they'll enjoy it. I mean, if you enjoyed Jackie Chan in his early career with some of the great stunts that he did, I want you to think for a moment. This guy's in his late 60s now, and he still, still does all of his own stunts. It's unbelievable. Yes, this weekend you can check out Let Him Go with Kevin Costner or Freaky with Vince Vaughn. Next weekend, Jackie Chan. It is a big-budget, over-the-top Hollywood action picture. All the car chases, all the explosions, all the kung fu fighting, all the helicopters, all the gunplay, all the jet aircraft. It is what you would expect from a Jackie Chan motion picture. And Stanley yeah. Tong. I can't go, I can't mention Tong enough. As a director of martial arts, he's one of the best. And when he and Jackie Chan got together, because Jackie Chan is the kind of guy, and you know this, Matt, as well as I do, he'll do anything. He'll try anything. Uh, and uh, he has been injured more than just a few times doing some of the stunts that he's done uh, to, you know, to entertain his fans around the world. Yes, he's from that old-school Hong Kong filmmaking, you know, throwback to the Bruce Lee-type days. There's no doubt about that. Almost like a uh, Chinese vaudeville, if you will. Yeah, it's fun to watch. I I just really, really enjoy it. Well, we're out of time. We'll talk more next Friday about Jackie Chan's new movie. I'll be there Thursday night to see that with all of the extras. You said that on Thursday night. uh, Thursday night. They show it. It's going to have all the extras for the, the big Jackie Chan fans like I am as well. Thanks so much, Matt, for being with us. Thanks for being who you are as far as the movie mogul here in central Arkansas and keeping us entertained for as long as you have. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Thank you. All right, back with you Monday. Power Panel will be with us on the Dave Ellswick Show. See you Monday, 6 a.m.